0: Um, yeah today we are continuing on looking at life together, and last week we looked at the beatitudes and I'm just going to kind of recap that a bit just to see where we 're going and when we look at these, when I look at them, I think they're not just prescriptive they're not telling us be sad in spirit and be persecuted and and, and that's not quite what it's saying, but it's opening the door for the people we wouldn't expect to be in the kingdom. So if you've ever tried out for a sport in high school or anything like that, you may have been cut. I don't know if some of you experienced that, but those were the people they didn't want on the team and try try something else, maybe the chess club or something. They'll they'll let everyone in. I would know. Um, But the Beatitudes, it's a little bit like that. It's saying those people that wouldn't fit in any ordinary kingdom, They're welcome in this one. It's opening the door and describing who's going to be in this kingdom. So the passage we're looking at today, it continues from that, and now it's talking about what does it look like to live in the kingdom. So we know who's going to be in the kingdom, but now what do we do? And it's described as salt and light. We're supposed to be salt and light but not just be salt and light. We're supposed to keep salty and, and keep lit, as the kids say, I think. We're supposed to be working on that and trying to keep ourselves like that. And when I was growing up in elementary school, going to Sunday school, I got what the light meant. I've seen light. I've seen darkness. That, that kind of made sense to me. But the salty bit was where it got a little confusing. I think that didn't really translate that well to me. I remember in middle school when when the presenter would talk about being salt and light, I jokingly licked myself, I'm salty, I made it. But I don't think that's, that's where it's going. But when I looked at that, I thought of salt. I thought, well, okay, it's, it's pure and it's, and it's crystalline and it's, it's kind of perfect and pure. And if you had like muddy salt or like an off-colored salt, you'd be a little disturbed. So I thought maybe that's what it's talking about you want to keep pure, you want to keep good, maybe that means like following the rules and obeying the law and kind of the Sunday school kind of things we talk about. Clean your room, listen to your parents, do your homework, follow all the things you're supposed to do, don't don't stray off too far. And so that's kind of what I was thinking of when I heard be salty, because it's kind of, kind of sounds like that. And I kind of imagined that God was this giant chef, and the world was his hot dish. And all the little Christians that he sprinkled in there, if they behaved and they were pure and they did the right thing and they were good, then the dish would taste wonderful. The great thing about this analogy, though, is I do love to cook. You don't want to oversalt dishes. So if I didn't get my homework done, or if I didn't clean my room, if I lied a little bit, I kind of smudged the, the rules a little bit, I just didn't want to oversalt the dish. It wasn't, wasn't my problem. I was trying to make it a good taste, not too salty. Just the right amount of salty. But as I look at this more, I don't think that's what it's telling us about kingdom living and, and what that means. So what is salt and light? What does that mean? In the ancient world, salt wasn't just for making food taste good. It was for that, for, to some extent, but it served some real practical purposes and really important purposes. One of the main reasons to use it is that it would preserve meat. If they didn't have refrigeration, they didn't have freezers, they didn't have preservatives, they didn't have all that fancy stuff we have today, they either had to dry it to make this really hard, tough stuff. We know beef jerky, but imagine eating that for every meal. Like Your jaw would be sore all the time. So the other option was salting it and heavily salting it. And that would prevent rot, it would prevent decay, it would stop any mold from growing, bacteria, all that stuff you don't want in your meat. But it would also serve purposes for people. It could heal wounds, it could stop infection. I don't know if any of you still do this, but if you feel a sore throat coming, you can gargle with salt water and it helps heal your sore throat. Yeah, it gets rid of infection and helps with the healing. And so it was a really life-bringing item it was necessary, because you didn't want to go too long without meat. They, they didn't do that much back then. That's more of a, a modern thing. But it was so important to have that And for voyages or trips, anything you needed to have meat with you. You would need salt to pre- prevent that decay and that rot. And so when we look at the world back then and today, we notice there's some decay in the world. And so when we're called to be salt in the world, I think we're supposed to take a look at that decay and that rot around us and maybe do some work on that. So I just Googled a list of what are some things wrong with, with the world and there's a few a few options. I'm just going to read a handful of, of one list I found. I don't know what their ordering was and they gave percentages and I don't know what that's about. but. War and armed conflict, terrorism, violation of human rights, economic crisis and unemployment, political corruption, gender inequality, inequality between rich and poor, lack of access to education, lots of values, lack of access to food, to healthcare, climate change, degradation of the environment, lack of access to drinking water, migration, natural natural disasters, uh, unfair world economy, discrimination and social inequality, unemployment, lack of access to education. I think I mentioned that. It goes on and on. There's a lot of things. And as we look around, I'm sure we could name a dozen things in a dozen seconds. There's just so much going on. And there's also a pandemic. I think I've heard that that's going on too. So there's a lot going on in this world. There's a lot of brokenness, a lot of decay, and a lot of rot. And that was from From the fall all the way to now, in Jesus' day and through ours, there's a lot going wrong in the world. So, when we look at this brokenness and this decay, I think there's a couple reactions we can have to this as a church. And I think I can boil it down to either being salt or jalapeno powder. Let me tell you about jalapeno powder. Last year, we did a CSA which is, if you don't know what that is, you pay at the beginning of the year, and this local farmer will give you vegetables throughout the, the year, every, every week. And for about two or three weeks in a row, they kept giving us jalapenos. And these were not ordinary jalapenos. They were not the kind you could find at the store. I didn't know this at the time. They were very special. You could only find them in the deepest pits of Hades, grown in lava. They were so hot. They were entirely inedible. In recipes where it might call for four or five jalapenos, you put one in, you couldn't even eat the dish. It was so spicy, I couldn't believe it. And so I had an idea. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna just chop these up really small. I'm gonna stick them in the dehydrator, dry them out, stick them in the blender, have a jalapeno powder that I can use, kinda like chili powder, a cayenne pepper, No one seems too shocked yet, so I'm glad you didn't catch this before I did. But after I blended them, this was my problem, I took off the lid. That's the problem. (laughs) I should have just put it in the trash, where it should have gone. But there was hot jalapeno powder everywhere. It got in my eyes, got in my lungs, it was burning my mouth, and I didn't even know I had opened it. And not even that, but for several days, I would just be using a spatula for oatmeal or something and taste it, and my mouth would be on fire. Or I would just randomly taste, like we made jam at the time, taste some jam, and it was on my hand somehow, and it was horrible. But I had, we, we still have it until we throw it out and then realize the jar is probably unusable too. But we have salt and jalapeno powder. Both are used for cooking. They both, I would imagine, bring flavor to a dish if you could taste afterwards, but one of them is very destructive, and it's caustic, and it's just the worst. Whereas one, it tastes good, but it's also a solve and it's healing, and it, and it mends things, and it, and it does good in the world. And I think if we embody the spirit of that jalapeno powder... That's just copying the world. Because I think the church can look at that brokenness and that decay, and we can react a little bit like that. We can get angry at it. Like, why aren't you doing things the right way? Like, get it together. Or we can become bitter, and we can just resent what's going on. Or we can, I don't know, sometimes give up and just say, it's not even worth it. Not even worth it. And I think that's what it looks like to just copy what the world does. And when we look at Scripture, we see that, That's not what we're called to. There's dozens of scripture on this, but I picked James chapter 1, and it tells us a little bit about anger here. Verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's just one of so many choices I could have used, where anger isn't what we're called to. And I think that it's just natural. It makes sense that we would want to defend what's good and fight back against what's bad. And there are just so many verses lamenting what happens to our hearts when we do that and when we let that overcome us. But the problem is, it becomes even more difficult when we look back at at, uh, the scripture from last week, Matthew chapter 5. If we look at what it tells us there, We can see why it can be so difficult. Look at verse 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When people are coming at us, even then we're not supposed to lash out. And that can be so difficult because that's not what our instinct is. So if we're not supposed to turn to anger or resentment or bitterness, then what does salt do? What are we supposed to do? And that's where that random passage from Jeremiah 29 comes into play. And I picked that, there was a lot of verses in the New Testament all about this, but I picked one specifically from the Old Testament Because we see this as a pattern of God. It wasn't just the church, not just the New Testament. It's not a new thing. This is God's pattern from the very beginning. And the context of what was happening here is pretty incredible. They were ripped from their houses. Their family and friends might have been wiped out. They might have never seen them again. They were plucked out of their land, put in a foreign land, and they were told they were going to be there for decades. They said, for decades probably your whole life, your kids' whole life, you're going to be in this strange land, in this foreign place, where they're doing all kinds of wickedness. I'll tell you, the the Assyrians, Babylonians, and Persians, they weren't too kind and didn't have the greatest culture. But they did all this wickedness, and God still says, among all of this brokenness, and this very obvious decay, I want you to plant some gardens. I want you to marry I want you to make families. And this is the hardest part. I want you to seek the welfare of the city. That's tough. If you're in a foreign land where they just wiped out your people, and they kidnapped you, and brought you to their city, and then seek what's best for them, that's tough. And so when we look at what is salt supposed to do, we see that this is God's pattern. He puts people in broken, decayed areas. And then he says, don't look inward. Stop focusing on, on doing right, doing all the good things and just being perfect and pure and, and all that good stuff, but look outward. And not in anger or in vanity that you're going to get back or you're going to prove how much you're better than them, but in love. Seek, seek the best for the people around you. And that's just something the world really hasn't heard of. That's such a radical thought. And that's just not how we're wired. We want to think that we should, we should get what we deserve or we, get, we should get vengeance or even if we don't do it, we just kind of hope something happens to them along the way that kind of proves we're right. We just kind of have that attitude. And it's, it's instinct. It's normal. It's completely normal. And if you feel that, that's just what humans do. But we see that God is calling us to something totally different. And when we're salt in the world, it can be so simple. It can be as simple as just not commenting on social media. Very simple. Or it can be as extreme as selling everything you have and pursuing global missions and trying to seek the best for the entire world. There's so many ways that we can do this, but we do know that we're not called to be jalapeno powder. We we at least know that. We don't want to burn it all down and just be angry and bitter or give up and throw it away. We don't want that. We know that that's not what we want. And the reason that we're capable of this is because we saw that Jesus did it first. He came into, imagine, the perfectness of God, not just being Christian and following him, but actually being God coming into this world. And then suffering through all of that just just to bring us into his kingdom. To welcome us in and say, the meek, the lowly, the broken, all of you are welcome in. That's what brings us to this, is is Jesus doing it before us and leading the way. And so I'm going to end with this short story of someone who did this really well, just to kind of serve as a model for us. And I think it's a very incredible story. So a long time ago, there was this young boy, and he was the son of a pretty well-known family. But one day, he was captured by pirates. And he was taken far from his land, and he was enslaved. He was forced to work in slavery, in the fields, and doing all this stuff for the other people. And during that time, he was doing some thinking and some crying out at whatever God would hear him. And one day, God responded. And he found God in the midst of that slavery. But one day, God said, I'm going to have you flee you're going to go to this port and you're going to go home. And so he did, but the port was 200 miles away. And so he was running and hiding and trying not to get caught because who knows what would happen if he got caught running away. And he made it to this port, exhausted, and he begged a captain and finally found someone who would bring him home. And when they made it home, they didn't know where they were. They got lost. And for 28 days, They looked around, trying to find where they were going, eating off of the land, whatever they could find, trying to survive. But finally, the boy, who was now a man, made it home. Over six years, he was gone, but he was finally home. And after a few years being home and and learning and getting educated, he decided, I'm gonna go back to those people who took me. I'm gonna head back there and I'm going to visit, pay them a visit. But much to everyone's surprise, he wanted to do it as a missionary. And so he went back to these people and he found the people that kidnapped him. And after a lot of work and many years, they eventually came to know God. And eventually the entire nation came to know God. And instead of going back and seeking vengeance or being bitter, and, and the, the stuff he went through was incredible, but instead of seeking all the things we would normally want to, because he found God and experienced how wonderful it was, he wanted them to experience that. And so now, instead of getting even and getting that temporary satisfaction, he would end up celebrating in heaven with his captors. It's an incredible story. And if you haven't figured out who I'm talking about yet, I'll just wish you a happy St. Patrick's Day. And would you join me in, in prayer? Lord, we thank you for, for your word and, and the example that you set. We couldn't do, do what you want from what you want of us without looking to you and your guidance and your power and your strength. And we just thank you for, for being the first one to show us what it means to be salt and light. And we just thank you for the opportunity to look outward with love and bring that same salt and light to the rest of the world and the people around us. In your name we pray. Amen.